and welcome to Free from the Real, episode 153, brought to you by PureMTGA.com, MTGAtraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can hear us each week on PureMTGA.com, MTGAtraders.com, and MTGCast.com. I'll be one of your hosts this week, AJ. With me is Kia. Regrettably, Seb won't be here this week. Yep, so we're stuck with a two-man cast again this week, guys. I'm sure you'll forgive us. And if you don't, you can always post about it in the comments section. As always, this, yep. as always, this is the Free From Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to, regarding the online game and stuff from the onla- offline game that affects us, such as the upcoming set. Now, Dark Ascension is not too far away now, and we've got a fair amount of cards from it. Um, what's caught your eye? Uh, well, uh, yeah, we have much... Many, many, many more spoilers this week, up to about 40 right now. And I'm pretty excited. I, I like the set so far from what we've seen. One card that I thought was pretty cool, uh, obviously not a powerhouse, but as soon as we heard about the flavor of the set and the concept of double face cards, I knew this card was going to exist in some capacity, and that's Loyal Cathar uh, and Unhallowed Cathar. Yep. So White White 2-2 Human Soldier that when it dies comes back into play Transformed, and is a 2-1 zombie that can't block. Or more um, importantly, a 2-1 soldier, zom- uh, zombie soldier. It has the additional creature type, which is pretty handy in um, uh, decks of a tribal nature and or um, with a soldier lord, uh, of which there have been quite a few printed, um, giving you an extra bit to play around with. Yeah, it's just a, fu- a fun card, a good use of the mechanic, pretty flavorful. Uh, probably useful and limited, but not much beyond that. Yeah. Any card, it's sort of, um, it's very, very much reminds me of, um, uh, the persist common for, um, uh, uh, what was it again? The elf which, uh, came into play as a bear for, um, one of the green slash white, um, only this one comes back with slightly more uh, um, power than toughness in exchange for a uh, swap of abilities. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, what about you, AJ? You, since you're behind, what do you see that catches your fancy here? Well, there's quite a few which um, grab my attention. I absolutely loved Zombie Apocalypse, um, just for the sheer flavor of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Return all zombie cards, destroy humans. It's just... It is what it says. It's a brilliant flavor package all wrapped up in um, everything. Yeah, I still can't decide if I like the this regular art or the promotional art better. They both look pretty awesome, so... Yeah. We'll see what um, comes out in that regard. Another one which is rather cute was... Um, a rare version of um, uh, the um, uh, what was the uh, madness creature uh, which could be oh. uh, discarded? The basking rootwalla, or I'm sorry, are you talking about the basking rootwalla werewolf? Or yeah, the basking rootwalla werewolf, uh, wolf bitten captive. Which, although several rarities above uh, Basking Root Waller, is still a uh, one green mana for a uh, one and a green 
Wolf Bitten Captive gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, um, which can turn into Crown Horde Killer, which is for three and a green, Crown Horde Killer gets plus four, plus four until end of turn, activate this ability only once each turn. Have you spotted the um, deliberate uh, oddity with this card? Um, not particularly. <clears throat> no, what do you got for me? If you've got six mana and this thing transforms, you can spend um, two or four in the upkeep before it flips or in response to it flipping, uh, stacking the triggers. And then when it turns over, the other once per turn is also a um, uh, is a separate trigger. So you can essentially give it plus six, plus six the turn it transforms, whichever side really? it ends up. Huh. That's interesting. Two different abilities. Yeah, very true. I just, I, I guess I hadn't even thought about it. So, very fascinating. That's good. It's good to keep in the back pocket there. Mm-hmm. If you end up um, with this card late on in limited, um, worth knowing if, in case uh, if your opponent transforms it back, he's not going to end up with a one-one or at worst a three-three. He could potentially end up with a, a five-five or seven-seven. Very true. Yeah, two for you. Yep. Uh, yeah, pretty interesting card. They've actually really seemed to have pushed a lot of the werewolves, um, and they've provided uh, several different places to play them. We got a, a new one at one, at two, a couple at four. Yep. I'm not sure that they'll make it werewolf uh, tribal doable in block, but certainly some of them will see play in some kind of decks. They'll certainly make Werewolf Tribal viable in Tribal. Um, especially, yes, the sheer, the sheer power you can get when you transform a whole horde of these things, which is fairly easy to do, is enough to, um, certainly win, win battles in the creature based format. Absolutely, yeah. And especially with another new addition who's not a werewolf himself, uh, but certainly does a good job of playing along with them, and that is Immerwolf. Hmm. I love uh, that card. Yeah, I figured you would. Uh, one a red and a green for a 2-2 with Intimidate, which is funny because it makes it's less intimidating since it's two colors. But yep. moving on, the more important parts, uh, your wolves and werewolves get additional other ones, get plus one, plus one. And non-human werewolf creatures you control can't transform. So with this guy in play, you are locked in uh, nighttime with your werewolves. Yep. I wondered if they were going to do something to um, prevent the um, built-in countermeasure from uh, occurring, and I really do like this card. Uh, the Intimidate is flavorful because essentially the only things which can block it are the werewolf colors. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I yeah. really like about this card is the rarity. It's only an uncommon. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it, this would not be a good card at rare. I think it's because it's not like you need to limit it because it's unique or well, I mean it is unique but not overly like explosive or anything like that and it's also not going to really disrupt limited that much at uncommon that's I think that's exactly where that card belongs well it's a three mana two two werewolf lord which um historically has usually been fairly um uh in the rare slot no questions asked well we've had some exceptions like what about uh like imperious perfect he was an uncommon that's true in a uh, lorwyn block um, I'm sure there are others. That, that one springs to mind immediately. Yeah. So it's possible. 
the majority of lords are um, they do tend to be in the rest lot, but yeah. fair enough. Green lords so slightly more common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice to see an uncommon multicolored as well. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't happen much outside of multicolored blocks. So mm-hmm. nice to have. Uh, let's see. Another card uh, I'm super, super duper, uber crazy excited about is uh, Secrets of the Dead. Oh, yes. Yeah, two and a blue enchantment. When you cast a spell from your graveyard, draw a card. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's just not much else you need to say about that. This is a stupidly insane card. I mean, the obvious inclusion would be something like the old uh, York Moth um, spells, uh, Will, Agenda, you name it. Mm-hmm. Cast a yeah. spell, yeah. Cast I mean, every spell from your graveyard and refill your hand simultaneously. That's just... Yeah, because you're already getting card advantage when you're casting cards from your graveyard because they were already used once, more than likely. Yeah. Um, so you're already getting card advantage by getting a half a card back, and now you're drawing a card on top of that. And I'm also really tempted to uh, play around with this with another new card in this set, and that's Gravecrawler, the uh, one black, two, one that can't block that you can cast from your graveyard as long as you control a zombie. That would be insane. Yes. Uh, just the potential to just go infinite with these guys. If there's some reasonable, fun way to use a sack outlet, that just seems nuts. It's just going crazy with card advantage, constantly getting grave callers. Uh, seems really, really, really good. And that's only scratching the surface with one other card in the set. Obviously, there are Burning Vengeance decks that can use it. Um, and other ways to manipulate and use the graveyard, and obviously right in line and colors with uh, Snapcaster Mage, who likes to play stuff out of the graveyard. Right. Let's see. One card I'm quite happy to see back is uh, actually a reprint, um, which I always thought was a nice mirror to and probably inspiration for Ancient Grudge, Ray of Revelation. Which uh, for, first saw its um, uh, debut back in uh, Judgment as um, a nice uh, white-green. Um, I believe it was one of the first dual-coloured uh, flashback cards alongside um, its uh, life-gaining sibling, which who's um, which didn't really stick in the memory for very long. But this one. Like most gain of life cards of the past. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely part of the evolution of uh, Flashback. We had it in Odyssey. It was just kind of more expensive copies of spells. Uh, then in Torment, they added in like different costs, like uh, the Deep Analysis cycle, where you would pay life in addition to mana, and it was cheaper. And then obviously they evolved into off-colored Flashback, which, they, they, which they've already brought back uh, with a variety of cards in this set, both in Allied Colors and... Uh, even enemy colors. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect fit in the block, and actually, you know, just a really good card, very useful. Um, you know, with Secrets of the Dead, Burning Vengeance, uh, Bonds of Faith, there's a lot of really good enchantments uh, usable and limited and probably even block to make the card worthwhile. Yeah, all the curses, for one thing. Someone's going to try and build a, a curse deck at some point. Yes, <laughs> people will, will tempt it, I have no doubt of that, especially now that we have a curse that deals damage based on the number of curses. Yes. Um, reminds me a lot of the old um, 
legendary Hondens from uh, Kamigawa block. Now, I'm afraid we may have led you, misled you earlier in that we are now able to successfully bring our uh, uh, co-host Sebastian uh, into this. So what have you seen? I mean, first of all, thanks for having me start talking. I've been here for a little bit now. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of really interesting cards up and down in terms of just, like, the set as, like, an image starting to sculpt. Like, one of the really interesting things to see is that when you uh, start to get more and more cards in, you get a sense of, like, what the flavor of the image is and what the flavor of the uh, um, of the set is. And honestly, I feel, you know, from a, from my perspective, the um, hunger of the Hal Pack and combined with just the idea of undying seems to really fit well into the set. Um, a, a card that I've really personally enjoyed have been some of the multicolor cards. They've been trying to reel back on the multicolor for the past couple of sets because we've had some sets with some huge number of uh, multicolors. So now it's gl- I'm glad to see the traditional Ravnica-esque uh, dual-color sets coming back, such as like the red-green, the blue-black, the white-black, white, and the like, white-blue-white as well. So it's great to see those cards. Soren, obviously, Mercer Wolf, etc. Yep. Yes, um, some very nice stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, one sneaky little thing is um, a card which won't necessarily see much play outside of, say, Commander or Reanimator, possibly. And that's a seven mana three five with flying, double strike, lifelink, and whenever you gain life, draw a card. I would love to figure out a way to play this guy because that just seems really good. Well, um, obviously, funny. I mean, every time you hit it, you get in there, you get for it's a 12 point life swing and you gain two cards. Yeah. So <laughs> pretty cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, already mad at this card for all the limited games that I'm going to lose to it. Like, I'm already upset about it because I can already see it happening. <laughs> so. This thing could see play in a um, uh Esper Color Reanimator deck. I mean, you've got the... Um, uh, you can always dump it into your graveyard with uh, the um, draw a card, ditch four card. You've yeah, got if the... you went turn three uh, Armored Scab or um, Forbidden Alchemy yep. and then were able to reanimate this guy on turn four, that'd be pretty brutal. Yep, we do, after all, have the flashback reanimator spell. Yes. That's true. Hoy, yeah, I, I hope that that doesn't happen because I can, can already feel my blood starting to boil over this card. I'm just imagining games where you just got you've got the board kind of in an advantage position, starting to pull ahead, and then your opponent's like, "Oh, hit my seventh land, Reaver." You're like, "Uh, fiddlesticks." Yep. Yeah. Plus, there's a lot of strength boosting boosting equipment in the block. Um, double strike, of course. Um, Two bites of a cherry, so uh, yeah, why not? Makes traveling preparations twice as good. Butcher's cleavers, um, silver inlaid daggers, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is anybody else really intrigued by Havenful Lich? This card, just as soon as I read it, it's I mean, obviously it's very exciting. You know, you pay one, and you get to cast a creature from your graveyard. But then even that, just getting you know, when you cast it, then you get all the abilities of that card. Be interesting to see what you can do with that. I pretty much fell in love with this as soon as I saw it. Yeah, 
This is, this is another card, by the way, that it's right in there with Drossel Reaver, where it's, I'm already angry at it for all the games I'm going to lose to it. Hmm. Oh, this is a mythic, but I mean these are all mythic, so it's not going. Hopefully, you won't lose too many games to them. Oh, yeah, luckily they're, they're, yeah, they're both mythics, so they shouldn't come up too often. But especially not together. But you know that you're going to be the one person who gets that. It, I mean, it happens. I just played a, a sealed the other day where I ran into an opponent who had, and this is four pack sealed, mind you, uh, Invisible Stalker with a Butcher's Cleaver and a Silver Inland Dagger. Oh, and just for fun, he also had a Foil Geist of St. Trapped. Ouch. Just casual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no big deal. <laughs> this guy is ridiculously good. I fell in love when I saw it. It's just... Um, you can do... A variety of things which um, people have been doing with uh, the uh, the ooze, necrotic ooze from the last block, in that uh, gains all activated abilities, and you can do all sorts of fun things with um, uh, well, all sorts of fun things. Full stop. Really, there's um, uh, Phyrexian Devourer trick is uh, always quite fun with this, especially since you're. Uh, um, pitching into the grave anyway. Yeah. And you could also do it, he kind of works with, uh, um, what is it, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde card mm. in the same way that the use does, so that if you cast him and get the activated ability, you can just continue to continuously draw cards as long as you're discarding creatures, which would then in turn fuel your lich in future turns. Yes. That's, um, frankly unfair. Good thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, um, a lich, uh, liches only zombie tribal deck um, a while back. Everything from uh, the Philactery Leech to uh, Dralnu Leech Lord, and um, there was the uh, a couple of leeches from uh, Alara block. But this guy would just walk right in there and make it really unpleasant for my opponents to play against. I like that in a card. Yeah, yeah, those are those are always fun. It's like, ah, oh, I'll play this, and they're like, well, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Whilst remaining entirely on theme. Yeah. Going back to uh, your dream of Reanimator with uh, the Reaver, another card we have in the set that would kind of work for you, but not as well, would be Seance. Oh, Seance looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Two and two white enchantment. Beginning of your upkeep, you may exile a car creature card in your graveyard. If you do, uh, you get a token of it that has haste and dies at the end of turn. Yeah. Right. Oh wait. Love the flavor. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting card. Although. Oh wow. No. It it doesn't give it haste. Nope. It doesn't. Ah. That's one of those things I guess you just kind of assume when you're reading it. And you zone out, and then you're like, oh, when you actually go back and read the 70 different words in there, it doesn't say haste. Yes. Ooh. Now, intriguingly, you could use it for, say, a white-red, um, uh, using uh, white-red duels, uh, ball-lightning-style deck, where once you've blown your load, you suddenly plump down this, and, oh dear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with that now. Man, <laughs> that makes me kind of sad. I thought that card had gave him haste. No, but there's plenty of things you can do with it. Um, Mostly Titans, get... I think. Like Titans. Oh, Titan to be uh, easy, yeah. Um, yeah. Get one last fire at them. Yeah, any morbid triggers that you want to activate. 
comes into play abilities, leaves play abilities. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's there's uses for it, just not yeah. the ones that I had in mind. Yeah, not as many. Although you could use it for um, uh, the spirit uh, revile arc. Um, grab that, get two creatures genuinely out of your graveyard. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some applications for it still, mm-hmm. but now it's, I'm not nearly as concerned about it as I was before. So that's yeah. that's good. When you've got a half price um, uh, debtor's knell, then yeah, it's got to be only half as good as debtor's knell. But there's yeah. ways to break it still. No, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Very interesting. What about jar of eyeballs? Who loves that card? That is just a thing of beauty. I love it. Put two <laughs> eyeball counters on when anything dies. Yeah, it is definitely a very flavor flavorful card. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Yeah. Incredibly so. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a lot of um, uh, what was the um, serum one from uh, the original Mirrodin, which was uh, whenever a artifact comes into play, put a counter on this. This allows you to dig rather than just um, look at the top card. I mean, worst case scenario, you've essentially um, slate of handed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a very interesting card. I don't know how good it'll be, but it's just it's certainly funny, and it's got cool art, so... Mm-hmm. That's what about Altar of the Lost? Do y'all think that could actually see play? It's hard to say. Mm. Um, depends really what else is in the set. I think like it's one of those cards that seems to have a little bit more synergy if the set seems to like go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So, It's pretty yeah, it'll... It's a pity it didn't go for play this only to cast spells from a graveyard rather than just with flashback. I mean, there's things like uh, retrace and such like that would uh, also quite like this in the long term. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, worn, worn power stone levels of mana. Yeah, no, I was. It's, I mean, it's it is a lot of mana, but yeah, I understand the flashback part. I think it could be interesting in Burning Vengeance if that deck. Um, sees a need for playing flashback cards outside of its primary colors. Like, I'm not sure you'd want to waste the space to play it unless you were trying to activate maybe some, like, green or white or black uh, flashback spells mm-hmm. to guarantee you'd have the mana for it. Then it might be worth it. But as a purely accelerant, I'm not sure it's quite good enough. Hmm. I think but what do I know? I'm not a deck builder, so... <laughs> True story. Me neither. <laughs> we need to get one of those on this show. Oh, yeah. Has... Uh, we have one, but like... Yeah. Yes. Oh, but... It's not a creature, have... though. <laughs> it has potential, um, but in terms of... Uh, it's ramping up your flashback cards and nothing else, and, and of course letting you splash your off color stuff. So I think it's more of a limited card than a uh, um, constructed one. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. Okay. Right. Then I guess the last couple we have here. Uh, obviously, Soren. We kind of touched on him, the Lord of Innistrad, who was previewed earlier the week in, in the week. Yep. Uh, pretty interesting Planeswalker. Kind of got the typical four mana, three loyalty going on. Um, you can do a plus one to get some backup in the form of one one vampires with lifelink, so you got some blockers. Yep. You can create an emblem to go more aggro, or you have this crazy ultimate that blows stuff up and steals it. Yeah. I do quite like this card. It's um, 
the first uh, planeswalker to go to generate emblems as a uh, incidental rather than as an ultimate. Huh. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because all the rest of them, the other, because I think there's two or three, Venser, Koth, and, and Elspeth yep. of old um, had generated emblems, but they were all on the ultimate, you're right. Yep. It's a pretty interesting card in that you could play it a couple of different ways uh, in a couple of different decks, probably. Yeah. I love the art on it, by the way. The art looks amazing. Yes, it's um, quite impressive, and it's um, you drop it on the board, and you've got a uh, four-loyalty planeswalker with a defender. Mm-hmm. Which is usually the start of most good planeswalkers. Yeah, it's um, some way to to protect itself. And even in a generic uh, black-white tokens deck, you uh, if you need to finish off, then you can drop it down, have a one loyalty planeswalker. But that doesn't matter because all your token armies are now uh, one tougher than they were. Mm-hmm. Might yeah, start, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the interesting possibility is that you can act, you can get multiple emblems. Fairly easily uh, with Soren. Yeah. So imagine an, a unremovable um, anthem every turn. Ooh, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. And also a little fun piece. Obviously, it doesn't affect us so much more for paper players, but they're actually going to print emblem cards now. Nice. Oh, that's handy. That's fun. Yeah. So in your booster packs uh, in real life. When you open those up, instead of your tokens or your tips and tricks cards, occasionally you will get a Soren emblem that actually just so you can remind yourself you have plus one plus zero. Oh. Yeah. Are they up to the other emblems as well? Uh, yeah, they've announced that they will have uh, the Vincer and Koth emblems will be in the dual deck of Vincer and Koth that's set to come out at the end of March. Fair enough. And they are planning to release the Elspeth one. They just haven't figured out how to do that yet. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, that's a handy thing to do, although it then means there will be a lot more Soren emblems floating around than Sorens, which I suppose <laughs> makes a degree of sense. Because yeah, you need more emblems than you do Sorens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Sure. <laughs> if you right. get eight Soren emblems out there... Then why haven't you Soren's ultimate to win the game twice over? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why Why are you not killing them with your 9-1 tokens? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a goofy-looking token. <laughs> Well, there has been a seven-one token uh, from the uh, couple of sources, actually. Yeah, there's the uh, the Zektar Shine, Shine Expedition. Yeah. And uh, the ball lightning effect, like the red, 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 with kicker of like seventy or whatever that yeah. made a token. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. I think that's roughly what it did. What it costs. <laughs> Although it's not so much uh, a single token as a um, everything on the battlefield, essentially. Yeah, that's true. So why haven't you won with that yet? Are you playing Command or something? Yeah, I guess. Uh, Speaking of Commander, here's a card I know, this is one that a lot of people are upset about, is not legendary because of Commander, and that's the new super-duper handy werewolf man, the Huntmaster of the Fells, a.k.a. the wordiest card in all of Magic. Mm Mm-hmm. This guy beats Ice Cauldron so bad that they had to go onto the second half to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because of their, their limitations on the font size in Modern Magic, they're like, well, we're just going to have to ride on the back of the card now and fill that one up too. Yep. So we have a 4-mana 2-2 in red-green uh, that is a werewolf, 
and when he comes into play, you get a 2-2 wolf token and gain 2 life. If you Ooh. manage to flip him with no spells, then he flips over, deals 2 damage to an opponent, and you can't hit one of their creatures for 2, and now he's a 4-4. And then he has the werewolf clause to flip back again. Yep. And when he flips back, you get gain 2 life and a, and a wolf again. That's right, yeah, because it's whenever he transforms. So again, you get more dudes as he flips around and around and around and around. He's kind of the not-so-buddy-buddy with Emmerwolf. Well, yeah, but even so, you've still got um, a ridiculous amount of card advantage on its own, uh, whatever your opponent does. Yeah, and then again, I mean, even if you... Okay, so the worst-case scenario, you have an Emmerwolf at play, and you flip the Huntmaster. So now you have a 5-5 Werewolf, you have a 3-3 Wolf, you gained two life, and you dealt two damage to your opponent, and you uh, dealt two damage to one of their creatures. Sounds like a deal. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess that's a you know, it's a tough situation to be in, I suppose, because now you can't flip back and get more tokens. Well, until they kill the Ember Wolf. <laughs> exactly. I suppose in the worst case scenario, could you damage yourself and kill your Ember Wolf so you flip it back over? Would you uh, want to? No, it says target opponent. And then target creature that opponent controls. So you could not shoot your own Emmerwolf. Okay. Worth a shot, though. Gotta always be thinking like that. Right, I think that's pretty much all we've got for the spoilers. So let's move on to the Toolbox app due the end of the month. Uh, this is something which um, is for the iPhone, iPad, or an Android device. Oh, that looks so great. Yep. Uh, which can act as a um, in-game tool system, uh, deck creator, event calendar, all sorts of things. Gentlemen? Yeah, it's basically it's, great. I mean, it's it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that it's got the, the integration with their website, so you can read articles on direct links uh, through that. One of the things I'm really excited about is the uh, the event calendar and the store locator options. So you can find game stores in the area near you in case you you know didn't know where they were. And then the ability to keep track of, uh, like hopefully if they'll post like larger events and when those are going on on there, um, that would be pretty amazing. Uh, not to mention all the standard functionality that people have come to enjoy about uh, Magic related apps where you have yeah. life gain, you know, keeping track of life, keeping track of uh, multiple players' lives, and poison counters, the whole shebang. Do you think it'll let us use it during tournament play, or are we going to be able to? Because it also keeps track of uh, progress. And so in the past, we haven't been able to use your phone during your uh, your game, but like, do you think we'll be able to use our phones now? I think that maybe not immediately, but I get the feeling they're going to head in that direction. It's... Um, Obviously, people have you know already taken to integrating it, and now that they have an official app uh, that will have all that information uh, that you would want to use in a game, I could see them leaning more towards it now. Because before, if it's if you're using an unaffiliated app or a third-party app, like they had no way of knowing uh, if you were up to anything nefarious or inappropriate or illegal for tournament sakes. Whereas if they came out and said you're allowed to keep track of your life using the official uh, MTG app they know the functionality of that app and don't have to be concerned about doing anything inappropriate during a match. Is this true? Yeah, you know, that makes that makes sense to me. And it's free, so, uh, you know, anyone with uh, an iPhone uh, or an Android phone 
uh, will be able to uh, get it. Although they have said in some capacity that you, it may cost to update the uh, deck builder with the latest content. So That'd small be interesting. Fee. Yeah, because it looks pretty cool. Because like the way it is, like you can actually deck build. You get the card arts, the card images. They let you mulligan. You know, you draw test hands and see how it goes. You can share decks directly onto Facebook or other social media. Yeah, I mean, so, it looks like a great app. I'm really glad about what they've done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's going to be interesting because I definitely feel like a lot of games have moved towards this direction of having far more um, integration with like mobile devices. I know, like I think that's the direction a lot of like uh, tabletop games are moving. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's pretty cool and exciting. I'm just a little annoyed that the they stated that it will come out for like iOS like devices like the iPhone and stuff like that at, towards the end of the month and a bit after that on Android. So who knows what exactly that means. And I don't know why they couldn't do a simultaneous launch, but... Yeah, agreed. You know, for us, iPhone, the iPhone-less among us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I mean, you know, free app that's usable with Magic. Obviously, you don't really need it uh, so much if you were an online online player. Uh, but for paper players, it's got some interesting stuff there. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. I think pretty much everyone is, unless you're someone who is trying to make money off of magic toolbox-related apps. <laughs> yeah, my, true. That's, those guys just got shot on, so... Yeah, it might, it might kind of stink to be, be in that situation. But other than that, I think everyone should be pretty happy with it. Agreed. Okay. Uh, well, that's that kind of covers the news. I mean, Dark Ascension obviously is kind of dominating what's going on uh, out in the magic world for the moment. And will continue to until it's released uh, at the end of the month. Yeah. It's pretty much the big news at the moment, so when you have a Which, hey, big kind news of makes, like that, you just go with that. Yeah, it kind of makes our job easy, you know? It's like, hey, check out the new set, all these new cool cards. Okay, uh, so I guess we will move on to prices. Uh, well, so what we have for you this week is we went ahead and took a look at the first uh, PTQ for Barcelona, uh, which was completed this last weekend, and we have the rough est- rough calculations of the prices of those decks. Um, so obviously didn't sit down and crunch every single individual number. We kind of just like took a rounded figure. Uh, so it may be off by like five or 10 bucks. We generally try to, to round up in calculating it, but it gives you an idea of what these decks cost. Uh, and we have a link to those decks in the show notes. So first up we have uh, splinter twin played by our winner, uh, Mati and looking at his deck, it costs just about $300. Um, Oh, how do you feel about that? What do you think that? High, low, surprise? Uh, I'm not too surprised. I mean, I played a lot more during the era of $1,000 decks, like Mythic, if you remember. Um, mm-hmm. So it's so like compared to a $1,000 Mythic deck, it's, it seems like a rather reasonable sum. Yeah, so it's probably exactly. pretty high for the majority of like Americans, I suppose, and people. It's, it's a bad economy. You'd hope that like the prices would decrease, but that just hasn't been the case. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's always an interesting observation. Uh, if you're looking for a little bit on the cheaper end, the next place, uh, TK Gons, we have, he was kind of playing a, uh, white token based deck. Uh, and that one actually was like a Soul Sisters element. That came in at just about, a little over about 100, 115 tickets. Um, that's a lot yeah, cheaper. Yeah, so pretty, yeah, pretty cheap one, uh, there to put together. And I mean, you know, understandable, a lot of the cards are pretty modern, uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> 
with the the token makers and a lot of like cheap just like creatures like soul warden that just don't cost a lot of money so you don't see too much tip in the price scales on that one uh after that we have stainerson who is playing fairies which clocks in very high and it's kind of gone up uh obviously with the modern season and will continue to do that probably a little bit more and that's at 475 yeah, that's that's a little high. I mean, three hundred is reasonable. I think. I think that's something you can like save for. But you know, I don't think there's a lot of people who can like easily afford a uh, you know five hundred dollar deck, especially yeah. one that like. And it's, it's unfortunate because it's fairies, and like everyone wants to play fairies. Like it's just it's it's, it's an unfortunate situation all around. Yeah, and it's it's also tough because that's such a parasitic deck. So a lot of its cards are really. You know, fairy specific. So if you buy that deck and it turns out it, if, if something shifts in the metagame and it's not good or you're just not enjoying playing it or you don't feel like it's your playstyle, it's not like you can kind of use those cards into other decks. For the most part, fairies are fairies. Like, you really, there's not too many of them that transfer over to other decks. Uh, next up, another unique deck with lots of weird cards in it. And that's a uh, Gainsay playing a Project X variant. That's a deck that tries to go infinite using uh, Malera and. Uh, other creatures that persist creatures that get sacrificed and then return to play with persist, but do not have a minus one, minus one counter as a result of Malera. So then they get to recur certain effects like Kitchen Finks or um, uh, the Red Cap, Murderous Red Cap, in order to kill you. And that deck came in at $310. Wow. I mean, that's... I've always want, I've, I'm very interested in the price range of that deck because it's one of those decks that I really can't see a ton of play in this format as well. You know, it's it's very hard for a deck like that to see a ton of play here, so. Yeah, and you have to, you gotta put a lot of practice. It's tough, because you gotta invest in a deck, and, and especially for that one, you have to practice a lot, because in any kind of those combo decks, uh, with and it's got Birthing Pod, so there's a lot of decision trees to go through and a lot of choices to make, and right. you have to know how to execute in a large variety of situations. So it's a tough deck to play. But Not only that, you have to play extremely quickly. Yes, yeah, because you do have to, to find what you need and combo off in a reasonable amount of time uh, due to the Magic Online chess clock. After that, we have Haisu Desu, I'm going to guess. And I wasn't <laughs> I actually pausing, there's just that many O's in it. Uh, and he was playing blue-white, and goodness gracious, man, if you thought Fairies was wallet-busting, then this guy takes the cake. This deck came in at just about 650 tickets. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, again, like, yeah. it's, it's not quite the price range it used to be. Like, extended backs back in the day were, like, easily 1000 so it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, and this one's really up there, because it does feature a lot of, um, a lot of like, mirrored and block cards, so right around the time where the cutoff is for Modern, there may not be as many of those out there, so you've got things like Engineered Explosives and Vidalcan Shackles that are coming in, like, $20, $25. You've got things like Vendillion Click, which are also highly up there, uh, 20 bucks or so a piece. So a lot, a lot going on in that price range. Uh, an interesting one to me coming in, he got sixth place, and that's Doctor Pinnock. He was also playing Splinter Twin like the winner, except his deck was about twice as expensive. It was sick. Came in at six hundred twenty dollars. Ouch! Most of that uh, price went up. The reason that the price was so different between those two decks is because this dude was running for Tarmogoyf in his sideboard. Oh, clearly. I mean, like <laughs> that, that would do it. Yeah, you're like, you look at it, because I was doing it, I was like, wait, what, why is this deck double the, oh, okay, yeah, 
so basically the same deck does the same thing, combos off with the Zeev Rexarch, but just in case he wants to go beat down, he's got, you know, an extra 300 bucks sitting in his sideboard. Fair enough. If it works, it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in seventh place, we have Azumanguni. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, also playing Splinter Twin. Basically the same, a couple of sideboard cards shipped around. That came in at three, 310. And finally, we have Sinrabsilum. Uh, playing a Bant Aggro deck, which came in at just about a dollar a day at 365. Right. So overall, kind of looking at these for the modern decks, if you're uh, playing in the top eight, we have the high end, which came out to be 650 for a crazy blue white, and there's also on the cheap end just a little over 100 dollars for a token uh, Soul Sisters beatdown. Taking all those together, we averaged out. The price for an average deck looks to be about a little under four hundred dollars in yeah. the modern form. Pretty much, yeah. We got um, one deck about seventy-five above, and uh, one deck thirty below, and three uh, just under a hundred below. So, yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah, obviously, I think if you if this would be a bit of a different calculation had Dr. Pinnock not been playing Tarmogoyfs in his sideboard <laughs> like the other Splinter Twin decks. That would radically change these things. It's kind of weird, kind of a weird choice. I hadn't seen that before. Hmm. Uh, you know, but, hey. you can't go wrong with Tarmogoyf. Yeah, it's a nice transformative option, really. Yeah. Maybe he just thought the deck was so good that he didn't need the extra sideboard spots. And he just wanted to show off, be like, yo, what's up? Check out my Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> it's like I only need 11 I sideboard cards. <laughs> I remember the uh, the Japanese did that at a tournament. I think it was Pro Tour Honolulu, where they were playing um, a Wandering Ones in their sideboard. So they essentially had it's, it's a one mana one one blue spirit, so it doesn't yeah. do anything and it didn't contribute to the deck at all. But they essentially had a fourteen card sideboard. Yeah, because they're just like mean, whatever. We don't need that fifteenth spot. We got Wandering Ones. Yeah, I've seen a similar thing where people place islands because you know they're the most broken card in the format. So. That's true. <laughs> Very, very like people, fun. you see people like maybe they're using it to like try like do something or another. It's like no, there's no real blue mana. They're like really confused. Maybe it was a misprint. No, no blue activated maybe abilities. <laughs> like maybe they need more lands. Nope. Just, just makes the deck better. Silence. <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, all we have for prices. So I think that'll bring us into our question of the week. Yep. And first off, we'll start off with our contest of last week, and we want to say a big congratulations to Karibo. It pains me to give a prize to someone who would use a Yu-Gi-Oh card for their username, but random.org has said you are the winner. Um, so if you would like to claim your nature's claims, please message Game Master 32 on Magic Online. Wait, that, uh, that's a Yu-Gi-Oh name? How did you know that? I, used to work, I worked at game stores for like five years. Oh, fair enough. That's, that's how you paid for college. <laughs> yeah. Had to run, I had to run Yu-Gi-Oh! League, sir. I've done my time. That's an innocent enough explanation that you dodge our scorn this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, moving along. So looking at the question this week, obviously it's going to be focused uh, on related to Dark Ascension. So what Innistrad block deck um, or type decks are you planning on building once Dark Ascension comes out? What looks interesting? For me personally, uh, I'm, I'm really looking for a Undying deck personally. <laughs> for what? Undying dot deck. Oh yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. Hmm. I'm still hoping we get the Undying Morbid creature. That would be super cool. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't do anything super fancy, but it'd be cool to have. Um, giving you a bonus, and guess what? I'm back. Exactly, and bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, some kind of either a Burning Vengeance deck, just because, again, I want to try and sneak Secrets of the Dead in there. And so some kind of blue-red deck that abuses that. And I did love uh, Ash uh, Rift Slide back in the day during Onslaught Block, and obviously Burning Vengeance is pretty remembrant of that. So that seems like a really fun card, a fun deck um, to build around. I know that deck already exists. It'll be nice to see how it expands uh, with the next set and the block coming out. Yep. It's a pity that Power Conduit wouldn't really fit in, because that would just be mean in uh, a, um Undying format. Your undying yeah. creatures are dead. Mine cup, mine room bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. I mean, I'll deal with it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, no big deal. That would be pretty sick. Okay, but uh, if you would like to let us know uh, what you're looking forward to, what kind of, bl- if you play block, uh, or if you just like to think about block, or you think block would be interesting, what would you like to do once Dark Ascension comes out, and how would you build with it? And everyone who replies in the comments, including your MTGO username, will have a chance to win this week's prize, which is a playset of Foil Duress. Wow. Can I answer? (laughs) (laughs) You can try it and see what the random.org gods say to you. Uh, That wouldn't Uh, be fair. (laughs) We'll have that posted for you next week, and uh, we'll keep getting away. I think I got like three more. I think I have um, a playset of Foil Repeals. Which will be coming up in the next few weeks. A playset of Ravenous Traps uh, foil. And I think that's it. I think that was all my prizes. So uh, We'll come up with something after that. Yeah, so for the time being, that's what you can look forward to. Uh, obviously, there are playsets of classical, classic used cards because they're from a classic league. But uh, yeah, pretty cool card. Everybody loves the rest, so go win you some. Yep. And I guess that'll bring us to uh, what you've been playing. So AJ, what you've been before playing? That, but before that, oh, we have, oh. I have to like have a quick shout out to our uh, our good friend Fury Justice, who had by far the funniest response to our questions last week. I mean, you guys can come check out the comment yourself by checking the show notes. It was really funny. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. You guys are really clever. We have a, we have a pretty smart audience. Makes me very happy. Yeah, we're happy with that. Okay. Yeah. But uh, okay, so now. After that shout-out, uh, I think that covers everything. So, AJ, what you've been playing? Well, there was a grudge match in uh, Tribal Apocalypse at the weekend between myself and the 2011 Tribal Apocalypse champion. Um, due to a um, challenge given and received after a uh, game uh, late last year in which he beat me without using uh, anything even remotely vaguely tribal. Um, so I challenged him to build a deck which could win um, only through using its tribe and the creatures thereof, and he counter-challenged me to win with a singleton deck. So today we had a, a side event to the main event, which, we, which was the two of us pitching these two decks against each other to see who came out on top, which I just about edged uh, five games to four uh, after the three rounds uh, with the uh, Angels. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I must admit I did have a little bit of an advantage in that um, I used to be legendarily uh, regarded in uh, Commander for always <laughs> being able to uh, do the goods in a single card format. And that's one with multiple players. 
um, previous listeners of the podcast will recall the um, uh, a couple of weeks ago where I mentioned the time where uh, even though somebody had an Inferno in hand and I was at uh, three life for most of the game, I still won. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, singleton formats are um, something of a side hobby, which I don't tend to go on ne- about nearly as much as tribal. So, yeah, this was um, fair enough. Also, uh, when I wasn't here the previous week, I was uh, winning over the weekend with a uh, gargoyle deck, completely colorless, 12 post base, with nine indestructible creatures and a whole host of ways of destroying things, uh, five vindicates, uh, namely Spine of Ishar, with its um, uh, block body for actually a core, and uh, Predator the Flagship for good measure. Seems good. It was fun, and destroyed everything, and survived everything, and won. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. Pretty good. That's what Indestructible does. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, as for myself, I've just been playing, uh, kind of jumping back and forth between uh, modern and standard. Um, mostly aggro decks. Uh, for the most part, I've been playing Affinity and modern, and playing mono red and standard. Uh, I really haven't had the time to test as much as I would like to, so in those situations, I usually just play aggro decks because it's they're less hard to screw up. Or no, yeah, maybe, yeah, whatever, something like that. It's harder to mess up with those decks because you only have about six turns to win the game or lose the game. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing okay. I managed to do well in Thursday Night Magic and a couple of dailies. So uh, standard, yeah. or rather. Okay. Modern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that's probably what I'll keep doing for a while. Uh, Sebastian, how about you? I have not played Magic this week. It's been the first time in a while. I mean, I, that's not true. I did play uh, a, what's it called, Mask Block event, but do you really consider that Magic? Like, well, I'm beginning to have my doubts. It's Magic in quotes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. <laughs> it's Magic. It's fun to play that, because then you just look back and you're like, how did this game not die when this set came out? And the answer to that one is Invasion. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're lucky everybody held on for a year. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I mean, it's like this. I've been trying to play it. Just said it's just so like. I don't know. It's 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 so. I'm thankful. I guess it's the word. Thankful that I was. You know, I've had the opportunity to play Magic in this era. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to the era of errors. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that will finish us up for this week. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, goodbye from me. Mm-hmm. Later, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>